Support for this podcast comes from Canva. When you look good, you feel good. But when your presentations look great, it can feel like you're walking on a cloud. You can design stunning work presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos with Canva. Start with a designer-made template. Use it as a springboard for your design. Add images, graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to the Prop G Pod's Office Hours. This is the part of the show where we answer your questions about business, big tech, entrepreneurship, and whatever else is on your mind. If you'd like to submit a question, please email a voice recording to officehours at propgmedia.com. Again, that's officehours at propgmedia.com. I have not seen or heard these questions. First question. Hello, Scott. My name is Grant, and I'm an attorney focused on plaintiff's litigation and criminal defense in the Midwest. My question is about innovation in the field of legal services. I recently read a Twitter thread about hospitals and doctors providing high-end concierge services advertised as executive physicals. The idea being that you know, for a cost of several thousand dollars a year, a patient can get a customized physical in a luxurious setting that gives them information about optimizing their health outcomes that might be more in-depth than a run-of-the-mill physical. Are you aware of similar products or services that are offered in the legal arena? If you don't know of any examples, is there a legal product that you think is missing from the market? Love the podcast. Thanks for answering. So, look, Demographics are destiny. You talked about healthcare, and I'm more comfortable talking about healthcare because I know more about it, or I think I know more about it. Uh, I think two enormous trends are one AI and two income inequality. And uh, if you were to try and figure out where those or where that heads, these concierge services, um, I don't know what you call them, BIP medical services. So I'm in that market. I read about something or a friend recommended me or referred me to something called, I think it's called Atticus. And it's basically a super high-end Gattaca feeling health clinic. And I think you pay like 80 grand a year and that's for you and your family and you get a health scan and they're just all over anything. And basically the way I would describe it is taking healthcare from a defensive disease-driven industry to an offensive uh, health-related industry where they say, we're going to look at everything and just figure out how to optimize all of your levels, do all your blood work and say, you know, we're going to solve problems before they evolve into something really serious. And we're going to just try and optimize your life. And I love this guy, Peter Atia. And I like what he says, that basically people shouldn't be focused on life extension. They should be focused on the quality of life. And he says, show me the last 10 years of your life when you're healthy versus unhealthy, and I'm going to show you an entirely different decade of life. So the healthcare system, the top 1%, all leads to these VIP, AI-generated services, what have you. In the legal field, in the legal field, I have no idea what's going on here. It seems that AI is going to do a lot in legal services, document review, translating, reviewing and summarizing documents, drafting first drafts of legal documents. I'd hate to be just a mediocre regional lawyer somewhere that doesn't have very strong relationships because I can go to ChatGPT and say, draft me a lease for a retail client in a residential strip mall with annual increases of 3%, and I just give it all these parameters, and it'll spit back a first draft that a paralegal or a lower-level lawyer would spit back. So uh, at the same time, if you have good relationships or creative or smart, uh, understand the nuances of the specific tax code or legal compliance or zoning requirements, 
you can use AI like a freaking going from a spear to a howitzer gun and becoming an incredibly productive lawyer. So it all comes back to the same place. AI is not going to take your job. Someone who understands AI is going to take your job. So the best lawyers are going to make a lot more money. This is kind of what happens with technology is you create, create sort of a winner take most. And the question is, what do we do with that additional income or prosperity? The mistake we've always made is we don't use any of it to kind of retrain or focus on services for the people left behind. Anyways, I can't imagine that the legal industry isn't going to be upended by this. I can see an environment where using AI and some really talented people, they say, okay, you're in this weight class, pay us this annual fee, individual, wealthy individual or corporation, and we're just going to we're going to give you a flat fee. And although we won't make as much money, it'll be more robust. What do we mean by that? The cash flows will be more predictable because you're on subscription. The way it works is uh, with Foley Hoag is they would give me all sorts of kind of free money losing advice when my company was small. And then when L2 got sold for $158 million, they charged me like $1.5 million to do the deal. That's where they made their money. That ecosystem's a little strange. I think it's better if they just say, okay, startups, 10000 a month, M&A deal when it happens, we're going to charge you, you know, a supplemental fee of a quarter of a million, but we're just going to keep, as you get better, charge you a monthly fee. That way their revenues might not be as great, but they're more predictable. It feels like the legal market is kind of ground zero for AI. Uh, and as happens in any real innovation, the people who understand the technology and can incorporate it into their, into their practice end up garnering or having access to cheaper capital, they pull away from the rest of the competition and those folks get rich. And the people who kind of sit on their hands and make excuses for why they are immune to this technology shift and don't incorporate it into their everyday practice end up slowly but surely bleeding out. And that's the problem. It's slow. They'll find they'll find signals that they're doing okay. They'll have one good quarter, but slowly but surely the, the oxygen will be sucked out of the room in some, in some. To situate yourself between consumers, wealth and consumers, and law, and healthcare is a good place to be, and also to situate yourself between AI and how it's going to disrupt either the healthcare or the legal industry is a fantastic place to be. Fantastic question. Fantastic question. Thanks for your time. Question number two. Hi, Prof G. My name is Matt. I live in East Village, Manhattan. Um, I'm a longtime listener. For my question, I'm a fairly long time small business owner. I work in the real estate space, uh, but always kind of did it uh, as a, a bit of a side gig from my full-time W-2 sales job, which was a, a pretty decent paying job, uh, even in New York. Um, but I've recently quit that job and gone all in on my business. The question for you as somebody who's run numerous businesses is how do you manage your finances when you go from this steady W-2 income to strictly business income where some months you may absolutely crush it and make a ton of money. And then other months, you know, your, your personal burn as well as your business burn may be higher um, than the income that you bring in. Thanks for your help. Thanks for your question, Matt. I appreciate your transparency. And this is something every entrepreneur deals with. Uh, a couple things. Everyone's got to play to your advantage. At, at the end of the day, strategy is just answering one question. What can I or we do that is really hard? So your strategy, what can I do that is really hard? It is really hard to start a business. You know what's also really hard? Uh, living below uh, your means. And if you're a young person and you don't have kids, what I would argue is that the greatest wealth generator is to partner with someone who's competent, is either making money themselves or manages finances really well, 
and just be as frugal as possible when you're young. And I know that's not popular, and I know it's like live life, live for today. But boss, I'll tell you, the thing that saved my ass was I, for the most part, lived below my means. And that is I never got into debt. I always tried to spend less than I made. Uh, the reality is if you are starting a business, you are going to have financial stress. So I thought I was rich when I was 30. I had just started profit, had profit was making, profit was almost profitable from day one because it was a services company. And that's the nice thing about a services company is that, you know, all of the expenditures are people. And quite frankly, people are easy to fire. Or they're much easier to get rid of than costs around R&D or infrastructure. So a services company is client-driven. You can be profitable from day one. But when I started these companies, so I started uh, profit, made good money, thought I was going to be rich, boom, divorce. Uh, and divorce took the majority of my assets away, not because of the divorce itself, but because I wasn't diversified enough. Divorce typically means you have to become a forced seller of assets. It always comes at the wrong time. I think I was a bit arrogant, kept doubling down on companies, kept not spending more, but investing more in my companies when I should have been taking money off the table and diversifying a little bit, and then clawed my way back to financial security. And then boom, the 2008 financial crisis hit. And that was about the time uh, my first kid came marching out of my girlfriend, and that was a very stressful time. And then I decided to start L2. And I had, I think, I don't know, a million bucks to my name, which no one's going to feel sorry for. But I thought at that point I'd have a lot more money given all the risks I'd taken and success that I'd registered. And it was costing me $100,000 a month to fund L2. And we got profitable in about seven or eight months, but I ripped through the majority of my savings. That is hard and it is stressful. There's no magic formula here. There's a couple of things. One, if you have a partner, be transparent with your partner about the risks you're taking and what his or her role is in financial support for the household. Two, throw nickels around like they're manhole covers at your existing business. Don't kill yourself. Don't work 16 hours a day because you think that the world is going to recognize you working 16 hours a day, but work efficiently and productively and very hard and find revenues. Set up some real benchmarks. Um, and that is, if this company is in break even by this date, I'm going back to getting a steady paycheck somewhere because the real stress happens when you enter into consensual hallucination that your business is working when it's not. And it begins to put pressure on the household. It begins to put huge pressure on relationships. Number one cause of divorce is not infidelity. It's not sickness. It's financial stress and pressure. So from the outset, if you're in a relationship and you didn't say if you were or not, you want to be very transparent and approach it as a team, a team attitude. Your superpower as a young person, you sounded young, is to just quite frankly not spend any money. And then a superpower as an entrepreneur is to be really, really cheap and realize that expenses and spending money doesn't create a business. I fell into this trap all the time. My most recent business, I raised a shit ton of money and then I went and raised 8,000. And then I went and leased 8,000 feet in a super Tony office. And it's like, what the fuck was I thinking? You know, it's revenues that make a business, not expenses. But there's no secret sauce here, boss. And then maybe at some point trying to diversify some of that risk by raising money. I always started businesses with partners because I found a just psychologically it's less stressful to have someone else you're talking about this with and also it's to share some of the risks. You share some of the upside. But if a company is successful, there's going to be enough to go around for a lot of people. And then having a group of people around you who can be honest with you about whether it's time to move on or time to raise capital, put together a kitchen cabinet. 
Um, I think being an entrepreneur is sort of a young man or a young woman's game. When I speak to people who say, I'm going to go to work here for a while, get the credentials, and then maybe be an entrepreneur, I'm like, no. Entrepreneurs are kind of born. They're not made. And also, being an entrepreneur, at least initially, unless you have a lot of money or rich parents, involves living pretty, you know, pretty frugally, pretty thin. And it's much easier to do that when you're young. Once you have kids, it is hard to live really frugally because guess what? That kid is really annoying and wants his own or her own bedroom and schooling and clothes. And you just, you want to feel like a failure. Don't be able to provide for your kids or be worried you're not going to be able to provide for your kids. Then you really feel like you're failing on a cosmic level. What is the algorithm for wealth? Focus, find something you're good at that people will pay you for. There's a big difference. Something you're good at that people will pay you for. Spend less than you make. Create an army of capital that you can deploy. Then diversify it, diversify it, and then let time take over and don't trade. Anyways, I think you can apply those same things to building a business. Thanks so much for the question, Matt from Manhattan. Thanks for the kind words and good luck with your business. We have one quick break before our final question. Stay with us. When your work presentations and docs look good, you look good. You can design stunning work presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos with Canva. You can start with a designer-made template, then use that as a springboard for your design. Add images, graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Or get a huge head start with AI-powered Canva presentations and docs. Just describe what you want with a few words, and Canva will generate amazing slides and text in seconds. It's AI that anybody can use, no matter what department you work in or whatever work task you need to get done. Look, we all need to visually communicate at work. Canva makes it easy to get your point across while looking professional. And at the end of it all, that stunning Canva presentation is going to make you look good. Wow any audience and finish your work faster. Start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Welcome back. Question number three. Hey, Prof G, how's it going? I'm Nico, messaging from Portofino in Italy. I'm a big fan of your content, uh, and I've been following you since you published the four. I'm 23 years old, currently working in data analytics consulting in Milan, and I would like to ask for career advice. So last year, I did a summer internship at an investment bank in London and got a return offer for an equity trading job, which will start in a few months. The trading job in London sounds really cool. The salary is great. Plus, after Brexit, it's not easy to get a company to sponsor your visa. However, I've heard that trading is sort of a pigeonhole and uh, it will be hard to change industry in the future. On the other hand, I'm not really enjoying the current job in Milan and overall, Italy doesn't offer too many opportunities. So here's my question. Should I move to London and risk getting pigeonholed 
or stay in Milan and keep the consulting job. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. So this is a very personal decision, and you have to take into account things that you, you know, I don't know. Do you have a sick mother? Are you in love? Are you, you know, what is it? Are, do you get 90% of your emotional reward from your family, which all, and, and they all live together? I mean, there, there's some there's some nuance here, right? Having said that, based on what you told me, my brother moved to London, moved to London. Generally speaking, for people who are very ambitious, one of the key paths, one of the key algorithms to um, financial security and influence is to one, get to the biggest city in your country, and then, and then get to a global city. And Milan isn't quite there. In the world of fashion, it's a global city. But despite the fact, I think it has about, I think it's, it's 10% of Italy's GDP. Um, but the bottom line is Italy is sort of gone sideways the last 10 or 20 years. Uh, and that is the, an, the amount of economic growth, two thirds of all economic growth is gonna come from 20 cities and Milan isn't one of them, but London is. And the notion around trading, if you're at a big investment bank or a big bank, trading is a fantastic way to learn the markets. Uh, my ex-girlfriend worked at Goldman Sachs and FX trading or FX sales, I think she was in, it's no longer even there. It's all computers now. But guess what? She got amazing skills and she had the Goldman Sachs brand on her forehead and learned talented people and understood the markets and could leverage those skills for the rest of her life. So the opportunity to move to London, and typically when a bank moves you to London, they do, <laughs> they do it the best way, and that is they pay for everything and they oftentimes have people or who will help you find an apartment. Sometimes they'll even give you an expat package, the opportunity to be in London. You speak fantastic English. Uh, I, oh my God, my brother, my brother, I'm going to see you at an Arsenal game because unless there's something I'm missing, you should absolutely get to London. And I can almost guarantee you that even if you at some point move back to Milan, even if it doesn't go well, you're not going to regret having moved there. To be young, to have the opportunity to move to another country, especially a super city being sponsored by an investment bank. Oh, my God, stop with the existential hand-wringing. My brother, my brother, this is London calling. This is London calling. This is a fantastic opportunity. Congratulations. Do you realize that 99.9% .9 of young men in Italy and Milan want to be you right now? Let me get this. You're going to move to one of the second best city in the world. I still think New York's the best city in the world, but a close second, London. Come on. Pub culture, incredible, incredible clubs, incredible restaurants. The, the, one of the greatest concentrations of wealth in the history of mankind, right? Because the private property laws put in place by Tony Blair. You are in a fantastic seat. And to not take advantage um, um, of that opportunity to head to London, I just think you would regret that um, the rest of your life. Everybody wants to be you. Everybody wants to be you. Take time to pause and register your blessings. My guess is there's some people who are rationally passionate about your well-being that you owe a lot to, that you grew up in a great culture, that you probably have a great education. A lot of it is you, but most of it is not your fault, and that is other people and state-sponsored education or the incredible democracy that's in Italy or whoever, for God's sakes, encouraged you to learn English so fluently, you are just so blessed. So take time to pause and recognize your own achievements and how blessed you are that you have the opportunity to move to London and make a life for yourself there. Well done, my brother, well done. Thanks for the question. 
That's all for this episode. If you'd like to submit a question, please email a voice recording to officehours at propgmedia.com. Again, that's officehours at propgmedia.com. This episode was produced by Caroline Shager and Jennifer Sanchez is our associate producer and Drew Burrows is our technical director. Thank you for listening to the Prop G Pod from the Vox Media Podcast Network. We will catch you on Saturday for No Mercy, No Malice, as read by George Hahn, and on Monday with our weekly market show. Thanks to Canva for their support. You're busy, there's no denying that, and we all wish for just a little more time in the day. So why not let Canva help you get your work done faster and more efficiently? You can get started with their AI-powered presentations. Just describe what you want with a few words, and Canva will generate amazing slides in seconds. It's AI that anybody can use, no matter what department you work in or whatever task you need to get done. Finish your deck faster. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work.